Welcome to episode number 282 of the Sean Sports Stop podcast, where your boy, Sean Tiplitsky, reports the biggest news in sports and gives his unique and captivating opinion on everything going on. There is a good amount of stuff to talk about on this episode, starting with, I'm getting right into it, no BS, getting right into it. Let's go. Starting with the huge trade that the Dodgers finally pulled off. Mookie Betts is finally heading to the Dodgers officially. It's officially, officially, official. It's done. Mookie Betts is a Dodger. So he has been traded alongside David Price and Cash to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for outfielder Alex Verdugo, shortstop Jeter Downs, and catching prospect Connor Wong. Um, It's worth noting that Boston will, will be paying half of the $96 million salary that they gave to David Price over the next three seasons, and he will be playing for the Dodgers, so that's a big win for the Dodgers. Um, also, in a separate trade, it was originally a three-team trade a week ago, but, you know, the trade nearly fell through. It was There were so many different conflicting reports. First, it was reported that the Twins, there were just way too many things for me to cover. I mean, it was just a, just a shit show, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but at the end, you know, after the, you know, dust has settled after the storm, Kent Maeda has been traded to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for a package centered around right-hander Bruce Dar Graterall. Uh, Luke Rayleigh will also be headed to the Dodgers. That's that's pretty funny because Luke Rayleigh was on the Dodgers. He was in the Dodgers system. He was traded to the Twins in 2018 for Brian Dozier. I remember that pretty well. But Rayleigh has been thriving with the Twins, and this is uh, great for the Dodgers' outfield depth. The trade between the Dodgers and Angels where Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling would go to the Angels in exchange for Luis Ringifo, which was a horribly lopsided trade in favor of the Angels, which I, I'm really happy that it didn't go through. It just fell through. Conflicting reports about this as well, but it is generally believed that the Angels owner grew impatient and pulled the plug on the deal. And when he tried to come back around after the Mookie deal was announced, Andrew Friedman said, I'm good because the Dodgers and the Dodgers deals with the Twins and Red Sox were restructured where the Dodgers got Bruce Dark greater all he was supposed to go to the Red Sox and I'm really surprised I mean I'll get into that in a second but you know you use chronologically the, the whole thing this whole saga started on Tuesday last Tuesday it's a week to the day it appeared that the Rex, Red Sox traded bets and price to Los Angeles in a deal that would also send Maeda to the Minnesota Twins and Verdugo and greater all to Boston seems like a not a great trade for Boston, but it seems reasonable, I guess. However, it was reported that the Red Sox were, quote, spooked by Graterall's medical review, which was all the more notable because he had previously undergone Tommy John surgery. That had additional ramifications because the Dodgers had another trade in place with the Los Angeles Angels, as I just covered. Uh, there was such a delay in the deals and the ensuing back and forth that the Major League Baseball Players Association released a statement from Executive Director Tony Clark admonishing the event that, quote, unfairly put several players' lives in a state of limbo. I, I mean, as a Dodger fan, there were so many things I was thinking. Like, to me, what this was, it was pretty obvious that the Red Sox did not like, they just didn't like how much backlash they were getting from their fans and the media. And as a result, they wanted to keep greater all but also get someone in addition so like if you don't like greater all why would you want to get him and someone else you know or you rather get someone else instead which is what ultimately happened andrew friedman is the finesse god this has been an absolute win for the dodgers and then you went saying oh it's not guaranteed that mookie resigns it's only for a one-year rental you don't know that 
the Dodgers are in win now mode. It's all about the 2020 season. But the thing is, they didn't really give like that much up. Connor Wong, no offense to him. We have plenty of catchers. He's, he's not really anything. Alex Verdugo, it is sad to see him go, but the Dodgers have so many outfielders. Like, let's see. Mookie Betts, Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, AJ Pollock, Kyle Garlick, Matt Beatty. I mean, there are so many that's off the top of my head. Um, so it, it wasn't a big deal to lose Verdugo. Kenta Maeda, yes, but the, the Dodgers got Bruce Dark Graterall and David Price back, and they signed Alex Wood in the offseason. They signed uh, Jimmy Nelson in the offseason. So Things were looking great for the Dodgers. I'm so happy that they finally made a move. And in my opinion, this move has is infinitely better than signing Garrett Cole, infinitely better than signing Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg. So everyone that was clowning the Dodgers for striking out, and I was really disappointed that the Dodgers didn't, didn't sign anyone in free agency. But this more than makes up for any of that. Um, so... Um, but... It is still being reported by NBC Los Angeles that the trade between the Dodgers and Angels will still happen with, quote, a couple of minor tweaks and a main, and a main framework of Peterson and Stripling to the Angels for Ringifo. It's just an absolute horrible trade for the Dodgers. That's like they're fleecing the Red Sox and they're getting fleeced by the Angels. It's not done yet. I don't even know they're, that they're talking about it. A source of mine, secret source, very secret source, is telling me that the trade won't happen. So take that for what it is ultimately the biggest headline after everything fell into place is that Mookie Betts in my opinion the second best player in baseball is a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers a Dodgers team that won 106 games last season expectations are going to be sky high and I cannot wait for the next season switching gears now to NBA basketball more LA sports um more LA sports give me one second some technical difficulties here um, so the Los Angeles Lakers did not make any major moves at the trade deadline, but they are reportedly going to have a quote exploratory conversation with veteran wingman Dion Waiters. Not really sure what to think about this. Woj of ESPN reported the news Sunday after it was noted that the Memphis Grizzlies waived Waiters. Why would you waive Dion Waiters? I mean, I get that he is could could be considered by some a team cancer, but he has raw talent. I mean, you could. I'm, I'm sure they could have given him a chance and then waived him. I'm not really sure um, what the rules are when it comes to that financially, but the Lakers could be looking for another experienced guard since they will reportedly not be adding Darren Collison for the stretch run because Woj reported Collison is expected to remain retired even though the Lakers and Clippers were both interested. Waiters played only three games for the Heat this season before he was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies in a deal that sent Andre Iguodala to the Miami Heat. Um... The Associated Press noted the Heat suspended the 28-year-old who also has played for the Cleveland Cavaliers and Oklahoma City Thunder three times this season. He was suspended three times. Waiters is a playoff-tested veteran who has hit 35% of his career three-pointers, including 47% in his three games with the Miami Heat this season. So he is a baller, but this just comes down to does his talent outweigh the distractions and outweigh... I mean, this guy, he, he, this dude had a medical emergency. I don't, if this was this season, I'm almost, I'm 100% certain that this was this season. He had a medical emergency on a team plane after eating a marijuana edible. I mean, dude, like, that is, if that doesn't describe Dion Waiters, I don't know what does. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, this was on November 10th. I covered this on my podcast. This is just ridiculous. So, you know, I may be biased because I'm a Laker fan, but, to me, this season, 
if not number one, it looks like the Lakers have, you know, just unparalleled team chemistry. That everyone gets along with everyone. The team chemistry on the Lakers is amazing. And I don't know that signing Dion Waiters is going to help that. I think there's a good chance that it hurts it. Um, so with that said, you know, the, also the Lakers need more of a point guard. Rajon Rondo balled out last night against the Phoenix Suns. First time in a long time. It was great to see because Rondo was the worst player on the team, in my opinion, for a while now. Um, so the point guard position is, was definitely one of one in need for the Lakers. Um, with that said, though, I would like to see if, you know, Darren Collison was ideal, of course, but it looks like he's not coming back. There's also a conspiracy theory on Reddit in the NBA community, on RNBA, that Steve Ballmer paid off Darren Collison. Steve Ballmer, for those of you that don't know, the owner of the Clippers, paid off Darren Collison to pretend to just talk to the Lakers and Clippers and to just pretend that he's coming back so that the Lakers wouldn't trade for anyone at the deadline, which I find hilarious. I love Shout out to Reddit. I mean, I love I love Reddit and um, the NBA community. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Collison was, was ideal, but since the Lakers are not going to get Collison, Jamal Crawford would be my number one pick. J.R. Smith, not sure. I mean, he hasn't really been all that for the last two or three years. Marvin Williams, I think, is a possibility. Um, I don't really know. Oh, I think Tyler Johnson would be really nice. I think he could be a a really good second or third unit point guard for the Lakers. He was just waived by the Phoenix Suns. Um, Not interested in in Isaiah Thomas. There were some rumblings about that because he was traded to the Clippers from the Detroit Pistons in the um, in the Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Morris traded on Markeith Morris. Um, Yeah, because the Clippers waived them because they also wanted Darren Collison and they could still sign someone else. They could still sign J.R. Smith or any one of those guys. But yeah, switching gears now to some NFL. Philip Rivers is officially moving on from the Los Angeles Chargers after the team announced Monday that the two sides have mutually agreed to part ways. Quote, after stepping back a bit from last season, we reconnected with Philip and his representatives to look at how 2019 played out, assess our future goals, evaluate the current state of the roster, and see if there was a path, blah, 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 blah. Not important. Rivers has spent his entire 16-year career with the Chargers since being drafted fourth overall in 2004. He went 123 and 101 in his 224 uh, regular season games with his team and five and six in and five and six in playoff appearances. The Chargers clearly lost faith in the eight-time Pro Bowl after he threw 20 interceptions and only 23 touchdowns during a disappointing 2019 season. The Chargers entered the year with high expectations but finished well out of the playoff run at five and 11 because the Chargers made the playoffs last season. Um, and this is just very disappointing because you know I'm not. It's sports. I mean, as in life, as in everything else, people move on. People, you know, people move on. I mean, that that's just life. That's sports. But the way the Chargers are handling it, I mean, Eli Manning refused to play for the Chargers. He was traded on draft day to, to the New York Giants, as we all know. It was a great decision for Eli Manning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I my, my underlying point is that the Chargers, I mean, they're just moving on from this guy, like as if nothing happened. 14 years he spent with them being their franchise quarterback. Didn't have that much success in the playoffs, but you can at least, you know, show the man some more love than that. Switching gears to the NBA, um, the 44 finalists to join the U.S. men's basketball team at the Tokyo Olympics this summer were announced Sunday night. Unsurprisingly, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, and Kevin Durant are in the running. Other notable names are Houston Rockets all star James Harden. And Russell Westbrook, Portland Trailblazers All-Star Damian Lillard, and reigning NBA Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard. 
KD has been out since Game 5 of the 2019 Finals with a ruptured Achilles, so it's going to be very interesting to see if he will play in this game, and if he will be able to, will he risk the injury um, by playing? Uh, so there were some other guys. I was very surprised to see Kyle Kuzma on the roster. I mean, very surprising. Very, very surprising. <laughs> I'm a big Kuzma fan, but he has not been playing that hot this year. Transitioning now to some more football. Former Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa underwent a cat underwent a CAT scan on his injured hip, and the results were reportedly as positive as possible, according to NFL Network. The NFL draft prospect initially suffered a dislocated hip with a posterior wall fracture before undergoing surgery in November. However, three months later, the fracture has healed and the hip's range of motion is good. This is awesome news. I mean, Tua is a stand-up guy, really, really, really amazing quarterback. Hopefully, the Miami Dolphins don't draft him, but it's likely that they will. Um, they tend to, you know, ruin everything they touch. What? Uh, Rappaport, Ian Rappaport reported in January that the quarterback could have a personal pro day for teams in mid-April. Alabama will have its pro day on March 24th, but it's unknown if he will be able to participate. Either way, the results are positive uh, considering the uncertainty immediately following the surgery. I'm pretty sure, I know I covered this on a previous episode, but I'm pretty sure that his, um, that his, at the time of the injury, his return was, his return time table was indefinite it wasn't known so the fact that it's pretty much healed after three months is awesome news and uh, i'm really excited to watch Tua play in the nfl switching gears to more nba uh, this is uh, pretty bizarre california sheriff's deputy alan strickland is suing toronto raptors president masai ujiri claiming in the lawsuit that ujiri quote hit him in the face and chest with both fists while strickland attempted to check his security credentials after the raptors won game six of the nba finals at oracle arena according to dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star. The Alameda Police Department recommended battery charges against Ujiri after the alleged altercation, though the Alameda County District Attorney's Office decided against charging him. What a mess. Quote, Mr. Ujiri attended a meeting with the District Attorney's Office focused on matters that we believed merited constructive constructive structured meditation and conflict resolution and were better handled in a setting outside the courtroom. Um, Interesting. The county sheriff's office initially stated Ujiri did not have any credentials on hand when he was stopped by Strickland, though videos later showed that Ujiri, in fact, did have his credentials in his right hand. Surprise, surprise to absolutely nobody. The officer or the office later said he didn't didn't have the right credentials to get onto the court. Ujiri had a red badge, he claimed, but required a purple badge and gold armband. What a shit show. This is ridiculous. Um... So in the lawsuit, Strickland said he suffered and will continue to suffer physical, mental, and emotional, economic injuries, blah, 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 blah. Crimea River officer. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Uh, it's um, just kind of stupid in my opinion. Just just, just dumb. Like, like what do you – I don't know. There is nothing to say. I mean, he's not supposed to know who Musai Ujiri is. I wouldn't recognize Ujiri on the street, to be perfectly honest with you. But – I don't know. We'll just have to see how this plays out. I'm sure there are, you know, cameras for a reason. We'll see. It, it's a literally, it's such a mess. It's literally as simple as losing, looking at the security cameras, looking at the footage and seeing whether or not a jury hit him in the face or not. This is just, he said, he said, she said at this point. So we'll see. Covering more, um, more basketball now. Um, the New York Knicks remain the most valuable team in the NBA with an estimated worth of $4.6 billion, according to Forbes. The figure is up from the, their $4, $4 billion valuation in 2019. Um, 
The Lakers are at 4.4, Warriors at 4.3, Bulls at 3.2, Celtics at 3.1. Just, you know, for um, shits and giggles, the least valuable franchise is the Memphis Grizzlies at $1.3 billion, so not too bad. Um, Darren Ravel of the Action Network noted that this is the first time the average value of an NBA franchise has eclipsed $2 billion. They're now at $2.12 billion. The figures rose. The figure rose fourteen percent from twenty nineteen, the highest rate among the four major American sports. That would be basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. Um, so yeah, this is pretty pretty good news as an NBA fan. That means people are into the league. People are watching. Valuations are going up, and it's uh, cool to see. Switching gears to baseball, we have some baseball to cover. This is uh, not sure what I think about this. Major League Baseball's playoffs. Major League Baseball's playoffs field may. Playoff field may be expanding as soon as 2022. According to the New York Post, the league is, quote, seriously weighing increasing the number of teams from each league that reaches the postseason from five to seven, starting with the 2022 season. So that would mean that there would be 14 teams in the playoffs compared to 10. In such a system, the team with the best record in the National and American League would receive a bye in the wildcard round. So similar, very similar to the NFL playoffs. That would leave two other division winners and four wildcard teams in each league, and the two division winners and wildcard team with the best record would host every game of a best of three series. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, whichever division winner with the best record of the two that have to play in the wildcard round would get to pick its opponent from the three lower wildcard teams. The other division winner would get second pick, and the remaining two wildcards would face each other. In addition to giving more teams a chance to win a championship, this would lead to plenty of bulletin board material heading into the postseason. Now, most people are heavily against it, and I was when I first heard about this, but the more I think about this, the more I kind of like it. Um, as a Dodger fan, I'm, I've been spoiled in recent years. I mean, the Dodgers are you know perennial division winners, constantly at the top of the National League in recent years, but there are plenty of teams, plenty of teams that are really, really good or would be really, really successful in the playoffs if they just got a chance to get in for example a perfect example you look at the tampa bay rays they did make the playoffs last year um so the tampa bay rays ahead of them in the in their division are the new york yankees and boston red sox you have the yankees and the red sox in your division let me look at just out of curiosity what their records were you know the red sox weren't so hot last year but they usually are um one second so yeah perfect in the al east the yankees were 103 and 59 the rays were 96 and 66 and the red sox were 84 and 78 so a huge down year for the red sox the red sox are usually much better than that the rays were still able to make the playoffs because of the wild card but like for example next year let's say the red sox have a great year the rays won't make the playoffs most likely because the red sox will be in the wild card and the yankees will win the division so this playoff format is cool when it comes to that. Um, it's also worth noting that there would be a televised show on the final night of the season that would broadcast the selection process for the wild card round because they would get to the, the the division winners get to pick who they play. So that is very interesting. I would say overwhelmingly people are hating this idea. I I'm, I don't know how to feel. It seems cool. It seems. I don't know. It, it it seems pretty cool to me, but I'll have to find some more about it to really have an opinion. Switching gears back to the NFL. We're going back and forth here. The Dallas Cowboys are reportedly planning to make a push to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term contract before March 10th when the franchise tag window closes. Um, 
NFL Network reported it is usually incredibly difficult for teams to reach agreements by that date, but that is the Cowboys' stated goal. The team could use the franchise tag on wide receiver Amari Cooper if they are able to sign Prescott to a long-term deal. Ellis is expected to use their transition tag on Cooper if it has to franchise Prescott. Cowboys executive vice president Stephen Jones expressed optimism last week that a deal would get finalized. Uh, Dak is coming off a career-best season that set highs in pi- set highs in passing yards at 4,902 and touchdowns at 30. The Cowboys finished with the number one offense in football. Wow, I didn't know that they finished with the number one offense in football. That's very, very impressive. You know, considering that you have Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens last year were no joke. But they finished 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs, which led to the departure of longtime head coach Jason Garrett. And they hired former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy, who um, has had nothing but praise for Dak Prescott since taking the job. And I actually like that hire for the Cowboys. Um, I don't know. I Dak Prescott had a great season last year. He had a great season when he first came to the Cowboys to replace Tony Romo. But other than that, he's been fairly mediocre, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Maybe not mediocre, but not worth consistently getting paid $30 million a year. And um, this just comes down to what matters to you more, money or winning. For Tom Brady, it was always winning. So he always took team-friendly contracts so that the Patriots could build a great team around him. Dyke Prescott is clearly not interested in, not interested in doing that. This is a double-edged sword or, yeah, that's a good analogy because, I, I don't know, if you pay Prescott the money he wants you can't really build a good team around him and if you don't you lose Prescott and all of a sudden you don't have a quarterback because quarterbacks like him I would say he's a b-tier quarterbacker come few and far between so um yeah transitioning to baseball to cap off this episode of Sean Sports Up this is number 282 former Houston Astros super utility player Marlon Gonzalez issued an apology Tuesday for the club's sign-stealing scandal quote I feel regret and I'm remorseful said Gonzalez, who now plays for the Minnesota Twins. He also said it's impossible to know if the Astros would have won the World Series in 2017 without stealing signs. Spoiler alert, they absolutely would not have. It took them seven games, and they barely, barely, barely beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers choked in key moments, and the Astros cheated, and the Astros barely won in seven games. So uh, he, he spent the first seven years of his career with the Astros from 2012 through 2018. So he definitely knows who started the cheating, when it started, why it started. He knows everything about it. And um, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. He knows everything about it, that's for sure. And um, I don't accept this guy's I mean, I know my opinion on this really doesn't matter. And my opinion doesn't matter as a whole. But anyway, you guys are listening to the show. You care by my opinion. I don't accept his apology. He cheated. He didn't do anything to stop it, but I do respect him for being the first player to publicly apologize, whether he means it or not, whether people care about his apology or accept his apology. He publicly apologized. No other player has. AJ Hange's apology is complete bullshit. Um, Astros cheated. I'm not as mad about it as I was, especially since the Dodgers got Mookie Betts. Uh, Astros players are definitely going to get beaned next season. They should have been stripped of their title. They haven't been. They paid the price. And, um, yeah, karma's a bitch. On that note, this is the end of this episode of Sean Sports Stuff number 282. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all the support. And as always, I'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening.